foot track and now we're live. Yeah. Like yeah. It, hurts, it hurts. It hurts my a ear. little bit, but now we know we're live. I'm, I'm used to it. Okay, so all right, so let's start with what we're talking about. In in my opinion, John Bonham, greatest rock drummer of all time. Right. Yeah. Um, true or false? True or false, Shane? No, I got it. I mean, it could be no, true. Tra- it could be true in your world, but uh, <laughs> my. Um, I mean, my my inspiration. It's all it's all different, really. But like, Keith Moon was one of my favorite drummers okay. of all time. Like, I d- and and the fact that he like, pretty much died, in a show. Yeah. On stage. That's pretty, pretty fucking legendary. Pretty I legendary. I don't, I don't know if that attributes to his drumming though. No. Oh, it totally does. You <laughs> want? <laughs> He's uh, all no. in. No, no, no. I mean, okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, he 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 uh, he was kind of like over-the-top drummer like just kind of like uh, like like his uh, physical just like a physical comedian like uh yeah like, he's like a john drummer. ritter like, like jim he's carrey. the john ritter of drummers like, like, like jim yeah <laughs> jim carrey yeah, like, jim you know carrey. Right, a lot of physical com- uh, yeah like okay very but, okay so but so of, but of physical comedy jim carrey being the greatest of all time <laughs> is he well i mean he's no, Jim Carrey. Who who is greater than Jim Carrey? Well, are we talking technical I mean, skills? We're, we're talking like uh, how how, okay. how how are we rating this? Are we no, talking no, 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 no. technical skills? Okay, uh, send this onto a tangent. Uh, but uh, my point uh, that uh, I was yeah. going to make was that John Bonham is the Jim Carrey, and Moon is the John Ritter. <laughs> I, I I can see that, but uh, um, but like. But no, but as as a drummer, is Moon yeah. better than Bonham? Well, I mean. That's my question. One, I've never seen him. Believe it or not, I've never seen him. Yeah, uh, and then um, it's a little um, before our time, but uh, um, just, let's just say just recordings, not live. Recordings, recordings. I would have to go with uh, Bonham. Yes. But like live, no doubt. Like all the mm-hmm. live footage I've seen of Keith Moon, is uh, I he's uh, like the heart of the band. Like yeah. Um, but and and like I, I've always liked like punk rock drummers and crazy like like just. But I mean, bottom, hands down, like yeah, it was r- really good, and yeah. like all of this stuff was like. Well, and then you also the you also have to like consider like as okay, so the band was is Led Zeppelin, a bigger band, and does that weigh into the equation? I don't think so. Well, yeah. I mean, the the Who was like insane, insanely big at the time, and like I think they were both like. But and I then, would then, say, then you I would say that the Who then, was never Who was huge, obviously, still right. huge, but do they compare to Led Zeppelin? I think they compare. I think they compare, but are they? Um, and then, not then you got like, <laughs> well, it's we tough can, because we can compare Le- okay, them. Okay, also I have to I have to say this too. It's tough because Led Zeppelin is kind of the like it's if if let's say John let's say uh, Bonham. And Moon easily are in the top five. Right. Let's be nice and say even the top ten, okay? But easily those two are in the top five. Oh, for sure. Okay, so that's easy to say. But then the rest of Led Zeppelin, like, like um, Robert bon- Robert Plant, Robert Plant is Jimmy clearly Page. in the top ten of greatest rock singers, rock singers well, of all time. The band across and yes. But then we got in Twistle. Page is it has to be in the top ten. Hundred percent. And then um, and then also I mean going back 
so page, like, and this is a, I think this is really important to think about, is like, I mean, if they're just doing chops and showing like skills yeah, and, you know what I mean, like some of them would still be in it, some of them wouldn't. It's like, like the music that they wrote. Songwriting was, has to weigh into the equation. Is the, there's so much brilliance in exactly. that, right? John Paul Jones, let's not forget about John Paul Jones, probably easily top 10 greatest bass, rock bass players of all time. Well, I, I, I also think that Led Zeppelin's music, I mean, I could see as contrived or um, from the blues. I mean, it's straight well, from yeah, straight the blues. Pentatonic. Yeah. Uh, um, the, yeah. the guitar the, playing's the, all the, yeah. the, the pentatonic who, blues. The Who's able to do like the whole Tommy soundtrack and like, like do shit like that, like, like yeah. more yeah. like Queen. like Right. I, I, I put Queen in the They're who. multi-genre, right? Yeah, I put the Who and Queen in the same category, which I, I, I mean, I believe they were like levels above. I mean, at the time... Wait, I, wait, I, wait, I, wait. Level, levels above what? I would say <laughs> Zeppelin is like basically like at the time like a tribute band to all the, you know, the, the, the bands that came before them like at that time. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean Shane, what does it feel like to be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, th- no. You're you're now outnumbered now. You just you just crossed the line right now. Well, uh, well <laughs> the tape was coming out. Yeah, okay, I was like, okay, cool. Well, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, I get they're, you. They're, I they're, get they're, what you're saying. There's though, a like, reason why there people are always coming after him for uh, stealing songs and, and stuff like that. Because like, well, they're playing uh-oh. five notes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they're they're a blues. They're, they're a blues band. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it's like. Um, that that's I mean but that's like, good that's great at that time to be able to do that and any yeah, band that can do that's that like, is great. That's like saying like there there's something that that is the brilliance kind of like the this, the simplicity of what they were doing and how well they did it. Like I think that like you could say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on the who in this scenario, but like who? if if you could do that, <laughs> then you would. Like, if you could do it, if you could just, like, rock blues and then be that good at it, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you would. But what like, about... But, yeah, like, the, yeah. the, the, like... But anyways... I mean, who's a little bit... If you think about the who, they're a little bit musician, musicians. Right? Yeah. I mean, well, the, yeah, well, te- the technicality well, of what they're doing. Yeah, you, you the, think of, the like, the crazy no. stuff that they were I doing. I mean, Jimmy Hendrix yeah. only, you know, very short amount of time, but, you know, like, the Mitch Mitchell... Another one, another drummer that's like technically superior, really good. Right. I yep. mean, I, I would bet if him and John Bottom were in a room, they would know that Mitch Mitchell is probably the better drummer. Mm. <laughs> Those are fighting words too. He, he, he was a, he was a <laughs> studio drummer, and I mean, and uh, he, I, I don't he, know. he was a. I mean, he's his chops are amazing. I, I all the shit, and he plays shit that's like crazy and like and kind of like chill stuff but still okay so technically are you talking about who's most popular about, yeah no oh. i'm not talking about that at all oh, okay. because in, in that argument like in the, the hip-hop world right like if if that's the like there's there's all there's always this argument in hip-hop like the the greatest rapper of all time is the one who sold the most records mm-hmm. like that's why like puffy is in contention yeah. puffy is not a good rapper He's definitely in contention of being one of the greats of all time, just Solid, based solely yeah. based on how many mm-hmm. records. Kind of going back sold. to that commercialization. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's not what we're talking about here. Technically, to me, like Neil Peart, is is the greatest drummer of all time. But he's yeah. definitely not even in my top twenty favorite drummers. 
He's got to be. Like, I don't care that he's right. oh, technically oh. that sound. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about right. favorite drummers. Like, no, I'm not talking about favorite. Uh, I'm just saying, and I'm saying Neil Peart's got to be in the top ten. Right? Well, I mean, I mean, technically speaking, best I mean, drummers, top I mean, ten I mean, best drummers. Oh, 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 yeah. Technically, he's got he has he's to gotta be, be in the top number yeah, one, right? He's got to be in the top five. But, I, but he doesn't hold. He doesn't hold. He's just not even close to Bonham. He doesn't have the legendary status of Bonham. No. You think and then Bonham, you think about Bonham, it's the pocket. Like his pocket is deeper than How anyone. Many, I want to say one thing. When you th- think of Led Zeppelin and it starts playing in your brain, you yeah. hear Bonham. Yes. When you think of Jimi Hendrix. You think of Jimi Hendrix playing the guitar. Think of Jimi Hendrix playing the guitar. Yes. True, I 100%. get it. Well, and you, also, you, same same thing with The Who. When you hear Rush. Like, when, yeah. I, when you think of The Who, I'm thinking of Daltrey. I hear keyboards. <laughs> That's what I hear in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, key- I, keyboards going yeah. nuts. Right. If you're talking about technical playing ability, though, I mean, I think bottoms uh, below all those guys. 100%. Like, um, like Neil Peart's superior, um, Stuart Copeland's superior. Stuart Copeland. Um, Stuart um, Copeland and Neil uh, are the. Uh, um, I mean, Mitch, Mitch Mitchell was. I mean, yeah. I, I've read a bunch of shit about him. Like people say that he was he was the greatest drummer of the time. So they're like. Jimmy Hendrix is so good. Let's get the top yeah. drummer at right now. No, you had to be and so he, to he, play with that Jimmy was the guy. and everyone. There was no question that Jimmy, like, and then well, in the guitar world, it, it's it's almost easier to say like Jimmy is the greatest of all time. Right? Well, like, it was, it, does anyone here disagree yeah. with that? I disagree. Well, with that. You disagree with that? Yeah. Oh man. Well, but I think at the time well, it was, was under- so at that time it I was mean, understood. If, but yeah, I, I imagine if uh, imagine he, if he yeah, lived yeah. to be uh, 50 or he, 60, he, he, how even, gnarly he I mean, would have been. He, even, a, even another five years. Yeah. It's hard to judge he, art, right? Like, yeah. it's hard to judge art. No, of course. This art. is like, all like, for fun. He was painting with different brushes than yes, anybody else. exactly. Yes. You know, he really was. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. his music was just... But, but you, another level. You, as a guitar player, I watch it and just, like... But, but, and even really, yeah. beyond yeah. me, people watch it and go, what the hell? Yeah. How did he even When you watch what he's doing, you're like, you just have to acknowledge, like, it's like... It's like if you if you're a surfer and then you watch guys who are surfing like, you know, yeah. like Jaws. I mean, you just have to acknowledge. Like, yeah. I'm never gonna surf that way. Right. It's just not gonna happen in my lifetime. Right. Watching Jimmy plays like I don't care how good you are. Just like I'm never gonna be there. I'm never gonna get there. It's never yeah. gonna happen in my life. Well, and, and I think we all love watching those guys. Like, well, watching Bonham is like watching somebody to do what they were completely meant to do. Yeah. Like no doubt. For sure. Like no doubt. Legend. Like I, I can't see Bonham like in the as like sense. a valet guy yeah. or working at a restaurant. <laughs> I was just like. Could you imagine? I mean. No, it's interesting. I, 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 mean, I wish. I mean, I, I mean, it's like that dude is like, yeah. I mean, that's that's all he did, and it's all that's yeah. all he should have done. And I wish. Was, I wish we could like it. play like you know I I've spent a lot of time like on YouTube watching or you know just listening to. Um, isolated drum tracks of his and then and then listening to in the song it's it it's interesting because the the things that like when you're listening to Led Zeppelin songs that he does are these they're so simple like the little thing is like and you're just like like how did he do that you know what I mean but it's never anything it's not like a it's not like Pearl was like, gong, 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 ba da 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 ba da ba da ba da it's, ne- it's never that that, like, is Which like, is acrobats. it's this little thing. I, I, yeah. I always think that's, it's like acrobats. Exactly. Right? But then there's people that have, like, this little, this touch. This, this like, little tiny that thing that's just like, everything. oh, my God. And then, like, this, like, ramble on, like, when he's, like, you know, he's playing the, when yeah. he's playing with his hands on a thing or whatever, like, 
like it's it's so simple but it's genius like and what it does for that song is genius it's, there's no other way to explain it that's that's what that's what blows me away about him yeah I, I would like to know more about the like the producers of those records too yeah like that's the Johns the, brothers dude yeah, I, I mean, Andy Johns yeah the, the, um, those and Glenn guys, Johns. The, the, I mean but the thing that's interesting about that is that at the time those guys were engineers and they were producing those records but the reality is that later on Jimmy they, like Jimmy Page they realized like oh he was producing those records right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know because he was just in the band he right. didn't even know and he had you know he had skills but then later on they're like they actually went back when they realized like when he learned he's like wait I was the producer on these records he was producing those he records was, yeah. yeah and he is clearly a genius oh like I mean, not just on the guitars like I mean what, high level you guys tell me what do you think is the role of the producer the role of the producer and, the and best, what have you the best seen? explained is if you think about who is the director in a film mm -hmm. there's producers in a film so it's a different term right it's, just, it's yeah, the but same the word actors but typically don't have much say exactly right? if but you're a good actor if you're a good actor okay Right. If you're a good actor, you will trust the director. And if you're working with a good director and you follow the direction, then you will put out a good performance. But back that's up a the little hardest bit. part. There, there, like, there's also really good actors that are going to influence the director. For help. sure. Right. Oh, oh, so I would sure. say that. Well, but you, you band have to, members would probably play that same role. For right? sure. Yeah. There's some guys that are so good that whatever they might transcend all. Like you, like we're going back to the film. Like let's say De Niro, but De Niro, you know, have to know that he he under he he studies the character, he understands the characters, he becomes the character, but then he he puts all faith into the director. Right, and I, and I think right. the producer right has to pull. The producer has to be the same the, thing. The, the, the producer has to a, a really great producer, I believe. Kind of like a head coach in football uses his best talent, and and pulls. And pulls performances out of people. Yes, the, the, it's just like, like I, I I know who I'm working with, right? I got I got I got I got my, you know I, I got my bottom. I got my right. plant. I'm like, I, I I he's got. I mean, he's got to know how to pull. Still, yeah. how, how still these guys are like the best in what they do. Right. And I, and he's got to pull. I think, I think that's the role of a, of a coach. I think. Right. I always explain my role in coach. coaching. Yep. My job is to make them better than they could be without me. Right. Yeah. Right. Pull, and so really yeah. pull that performance out. Just of get, pull that. like, come on, like, 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 like yeah. And, and there's your influence right there. That, there's your like, I know this guy ha has this style, and I want more of it, or I want, or I, or I want less of it on this song. Right. I want, I'm, like, the hands. Like, yeah. I, I don't want like, I don't want classic bottom yeah. on this one. I want something that's like more like. I mean, can you do something with brushes? And Bottom's probably like, fuck brushes. I don't do <laughs> yeah. brushes. Right. And he's like, well, can you play with your hands? Fuck yeah, I can yeah. do that. That sounds cool. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe that's how that started, dude. I mean, it's like, I could see Bottom definitely not being a brush guy. Which is interesting <laughs> because uh, in my career in the music industry, um, I spent a lot of my time producing records as well. And um, one of my early experiences with Shane was he was in a band called The Hanks. And um, like that was when we oh, met, yeah. right? Hell yeah. yeah. We met and um, um, we produced, Jeff and I produced a Hanks record. And that's when we, when we met Shane. He was a drummer. And um, 
at that point I had been, you know, like when, when we signed with Atlantic, we had like, you know, Atlantic money. Right. So when we were doing a drum session, we were getting like the best session drummers in the business. We had the best, every, every, everything, producers, engineers, anything, you know, when we went into do our first record, went to New York and they had like, you know, we were renting like $100,000 worth of guitars just every day. Like <laughs> that was just on the budget. And I literally walked in and there was a, a gold manly microphone that was supposed to be my vocal mic. And it was like, we were probably, I don't <laughs> know. Like, yeah, I'll take two and of I, those. And I was like, yeah. And we were like <laughs> renting that. And I don't think I ever even used that mic. I ended up using like a 58, like a hundred dollar sure mic. Yeah. Anyways, when we did that Hanks record and we worked with Shane. He was hands down like I was like in and when I learned how to produce on Pro Tools. Right. And so your Pro Tools is basically a grid and you see everything on the grid. And drummers are you know, you're you're literally you're like it's you know, it's everything is like comes up as like a pop, you know, like yep. the waveform or whatever. So like they're on the grid, like this dude's on the fucking grid. Like we're I was just blown away, like how tight he was to the grid but in the pocket and this band and then uh josh was the the singer and guitar player in this band super brilliant kid like like high level genius um, oh for sure yeah and then it was kind of like we were always like dude if you uh if you have this band ever doesn't work out for you we <laughs> yeah. would love to play with you and then uh, actually i did um i got hired to do a uh a record for a Japanese band and then brought started bringing Shane and do session work um, remember that record oh yeah yeah um, Chaka Match Chaka Match Chaka Match yeah they're huge in Japan <laughs> they came to the States we did the record <laughs> Shane did the drums <laughs> so Shane OPM what's your favorite album uh, California Poppy I was like yeah why I, I don't know it's just um it has like a more uh, I, I guess I love Johnny's style like I, I mean it has that the songwriting that is it, it's just like it's LA like yeah. it's fucking LA dude like it's like right. uh, I, I, is it NorCal or SoCal no, 100% SoCal it's SoCal like, like if, if somebody would be like hey what's California like I'd be like dude just listen to this record while you're like going through the roads and stuff like, do you know if and it's funny talking about drummers like Shane didn't play drums on that record if Shane had played drums on that record that would be like an amazing fucking record dude the, re the record's good anyway but it's but like it was the worst drummer I don't care if he sees this I love the guy <laughs> love him as a human but such a horrible drummer and so you like playing those songs? Well, I feel like yeah. we were, oh yeah, well I feel like we were meant. It was, we were playing them in rehearsal and I was like, oh my God, yeah. it's like how smooth everything was like. Because I, I, I had, this drummer was so bad, I had to chop every, right, no, like every. talking about the grid. Right. So just, it was such, basically the drummer basically went in and hit all the stuff for me and then I cut it, it around. and played it on the Pro Tools. Right. Which is not, there's no life, there's I no think, soul uh, there. Right, right. And him, like, and he, we're just playing the way he plays those songs. Like, oh my, these songs are amazing. You guys gonna play well, any of those songs tonight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which um, song are you gonna play? We play "Rock Me Slow." Somewhere. Somewhere further Som than the valley. Somewhere. When he said that, somewhere, somewhere we're gonna play that. I was like, 
Fuck yeah. That's yeah, we've one of never my, played that song ever. This will be the first time playing oh, it wow. ever. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, that, and that's, I think that's it off that record, right? Yeah. But I mean, um, I think one, one great thing is um, when I started playing with these guys, um, I, I think one of my biggest philosophies is, uh, which I, it, it, it came down from other musicians uh, uh, before me, was about listening, which is like uh, a very, nobody talks about that, it's not cool. Um, so when you're playing live, like I never forget Jeff, when I, I'll be like, when the first time we played, I was like, dude, what was that effect you used in that pre-chorus? And he was like, like he was stopped, like, stopped and distracted, like, you noticed something that I played? Yeah. And he was like, no, he said no, no other drummer or any, had ever asked him anything about his sound or, I'm just like, oh, really? I mean, that, that <laughs> fucking sucks. Is, is, that, is that more common in drums, that they're like just oh, keeping yeah, yeah. things drum, on, drum, on the tracks and everybody else is I think, aligning yeah, to the drummer? You were kind of saying, right, like drummer's just kind of like, one, two, three, four, good, don't right. fuck up, don't fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I, I'm more like, uh, fuck, I, 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 you know, like, like when I don't have Johnny even in my, as a vocalist, in my monitor, it's a crap show. It, it sucks because I, 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 like I get so much energy, like from his vocals. Right. And when we do our things and we got things we do, like, you know, it, it, I mean, it it lifts me up when I hear Jonathan do a fucking, you know, his riffs. And it's right. Like, it's not like me in my world just, you know. That's sad to me. If right. drummers were out there, just like, and I know they're out there, because I'll be like, you know, I can see them. You can tell when they're not really like engaging with the band. And you go back to, it's a different energy. You right? go back like, to, it's yeah. like you're putting energy into what you're playing, and if you're absorbing right. that and, like, and that. and that's why I go back to like Keith Moon and John Bonham. Like live, you see like when you see like live videos, they're like they're like they're like looking out and they're like looking the bass player and the drummer and they're just like waiting for cues waiting for vocals something to happen and it's just like you can tell that they're they're not inside they're out here right like waiting for like seeing what everybody's doing and that's like living to me like well, why do we do this right you know what yeah. I mean because it just like I'm, I'm with these guys because like every one of them feels, feel, you know. Is there a certain song that you feel that more in? We do a, a, a Fugazi cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. That like every time we do it, it's like. Oh, man. It's, 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 we transcend somewhere into something. You it know? really, it really like, it was the first time I was like, Oh, dude, like, this is like my punk rock past. Right. I was a punk rock drummer and meeting with hip hop. It's like, dude, hands down, one of the favorite. I, I get lost in that song sometimes. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I get too into whatever everything's going on. I'm just like, oh, God, this is, a, this is, a, <laughs> this is incre it's incredibly fun to play. Yeah. Hey, um, real quick, let's, let's, one more thing, and then we should probably wrap this. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this beer that we're drinking right now. Do you guys, uh, 
You guys want to? Did you guys taste this? Yeah, yet? I taste it. It's good. I already tasted it. Cool. When Cheers. anybody puts something in front of me, I just taste it. Yeah. What is? What is it? This is the Bags beer. Um, this is Bags. He's. Um, I heard he died two days ago. He but did he's die back. two days ago, but he's back from he's the back. dead. Yeah. He. Um, Dude, what's he, he works see? for we there. Somebody's got to interview that guy. We we need to get him down here. Yeah. yeah. He's a really cool guy. Um, this brewery is amazing. There's not exist. Um, they do great stuff. They're they're Are really they here. Like, they're in uh, slow, I believe. Uh, yeah, we've done a we did a collab with them, um, and we've spent we, you know we've hung out with this guy bags a lot. He he got really sick and is in the hospital, um, but I think he's on the mend. I think he's gonna he's gonna be okay. I think he needs to get a liver transplant potentially, but. Um, but yeah, this is the beer they, they did for him because he's a big part of their um, their success. Oh, like a liver? Do you have to have a certain kind of liver? I don't know. I know nothing about any of that. I, I mean, like, it's not like a blood transplant. No. You have to have the exact it sounds match. complicated. I think it's a little bit more complicated. Yeah. I don't know how, like... Jeff, can we have your liver? I'll, I'll look into it. We, we, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have and to look also, into it. And then also, while we're I, here, I, we I might as well talk about I don't think you too. can give a liver, right? I mean, unless you're... This is our this is so. our good friend. I mean, you can give a kidney. Yeah, because you got. Let's two. talk about this. Uh, what organs oh. can you give and still stay alive? Well, liver. Can you get? I th- I've heard liver is the one where like you can give like a little piece. Oh, you can give and a it, piece. And it keeps kind of growing. It right. regenerates, right? It so regenerates. You, but you can give I a kidney. I might be totally wrong about that. I think, kidney, I, think I might have saw that on a Star Trek episode. But <laughs> In the holodeck, they yeah. did that yeah, I, yeah. seamlessly. So what's what's the? I guess we're not drinking this at the moment, but I was just going to give shout out to to Chris Dunbar, Dunbar Brewing, who did this, um, this, I, I can't, this was my birthday gift. Um, Rod and Hammers. He, he did this uh, amazing whiskey slow with Slow, also in uh, San Luis Obispo. So we're gonna try that nice. later, after we sing, hopefully. Tonight, this will be, this will be our nightcap. Rod, little Rod and Hammers. Rod and Hammers, yeah. A good construction tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> like a fishing and construction yeah, it won. Yeah, rod and hammers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so far, yes. No, but, but someone sets wait, it up wait, and someone yes. knocks it home. You're the straight man. I can yeah. toss him You're straight some man. fucking uh-huh. softballs and let him uh-huh. smash them out. Or vice versa. But you just straight the, man doesn't realize he's doing that, so. Well, no, but the but the good thing right. is about our comedy is that it's 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 dark. Like we we our comedy does better in britain <laughs> than it does mm-hmm. in america this is true this is true like we kill it in britain and so in like america, when you're on people like you're, back it up so like when you're on the stage and you're yes like yes. saying things yes britain loved you yes it's literally we're, a comedy routine on the yes. stage there we're over there we're a comedy act uh-huh. <laughs> and here we're, we're here. trying to play music and yeah. we're not that good at it it's kind of so that's why we do bit kind of a bit. novelty act exactly. i guess and then it's a comedy act yeah yeah so let's go back to ageism. Okay, so you wanted age, to talk about. I this. want to talk about ageism. And, we, we, and why we're talking about this for, for Jeff is because you're really feeling it right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm feeling it now that I'm old. I'm an old person, and and obviously, like as a young person, you don't you don't get it, right? But so like Jeff and I just don't really. Yeah, yeah. You guys aren't getting where I'm at. Right. And I want you to try and follow me down this path, but we're listening. So this is going to be a stretch of your imagination. Yes. But what, I, what, what is important is that this current time, more so than any other time in history, 
and I know more about history than you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have more experience. I have more experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as I'm aware, is that the young follow the young more than any other time in history. Like the young people, like younger people, are. You know, it kind of always been this way. Like we've been in the music industry for over 20 years, so we we know that. I'd say. Yeah. But like right now, like, like you know, you look at like the impact of say like the Kardashian family, like young people look up to these people as like, as like they're setting some sort of precedent as what's happening in society, which is it totally insane because they're so misled by those people, whatever. And the, the concept of like following, like the concept of following older, wiser people, that I think people don't understand the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Is what I'm talking about, and mm -hmm. and this this we need to talk about like I am at a higher level, not a higher age. I have acquired more wisdom. Wisdom being knowledge plus experience. Yep. Right? So would you say it's a technology problem? Because like it's a big part of the problem. Social Absolutely. media, yes. you can watch who you want. The younger kids have control of it. Yes. Uh, They're running it. Those those people don't want to watch us having a conversation, mm -hmm. but they but somehow we need to shift. There needs to be some sort of a shift that, like, maybe they, they don't need to, they don't, they don't need my opinion on what, like, good rap is right now. Because all rap right now to me is complete garbage. <laughs> because I grew up in the era of, like, legit hip-hop and rap. And so I understand what good rap is. Because there was bad rap then, too. Mm -hmm. But we got to see it through. But now it's all garbage to me. So I, but I'm, I, I sh I'm, not the, I'm not the person that you listen to about that. But Jeff, um, what do you bigger, think about ages yes, here? Thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, it's pretty. It, it's an interesting thing because it, the thing about it is that I think it works both ways. You know, like like young people think old people are pretty much worthless because they're it's outdated. They you know they're everything they know is from a different time. It's an old app. Yeah, and yeah. It, and there's a certain amount of uh, truth in that a little bit, but um, and old people think that young people don't know anything. Because they, they haven't lived enough yet, you know. But intelligence, like you say, you know, wisdom and knowledge are, are different things. Intelligence and knowledge are not just different things. They're basically unrelated. Correct. You know, because, and they all, like, knowledge almost works against, it's almost the enemy of intelligence. Because actual intelligence doesn't settle on anything. It's always looking. And knowledge is like, oh, I know this now. So you don't still consider anything anymore. So it kind of creates a, a little bit of a of a disconnect there, where as you're there's a point where you can gain experience, which can equal accumulating knowledge, and it not lead to wisdom. Also, so there's a lot of examples of people that know a lot of things or think they know a lot of things. Those people aren't worth listening to at all. Um, Wisdom is a whole different, uh, a yep. whole, you know. What's like what's the what's where's the line between knowledge and wisdom? Well, experience is wisdom what brings is knowledge plus experience. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's it's making it practical. It's it's being able to do. It's being able to use the knowledge to, you know, to for betterment of of whatever you know. Because if like the knowledge doesn't help you do something or understand something in a more complete way, then is it, it's, it's not even helpful. Exactly. So that's also part of wisdom, too, is that knowing through experience what is worth something 
what is worthless. Yeah. But these are the kinds of things that need to be talked about where young people, this is what we, as, as people who have more experience, equating into wisdom, those, these are the things that are important that young people listen to. My opinion on hip hop means nothing to them and it shouldn't mean anything to them. No. Like that's the point. But the things where like understanding what, what bits of information, like the ba sort of basic tools in life that are gonna help you become a better human mm -hmm. or uh, succeed or like at this point everything, you know, like you, you don't have the opportunity to go out and, and create your own food or whatever. You have to buy it so you need to know how to, you know. Well, let's back it up a little bit though. Yeah. Because sometimes it's, you can be possibly more creative or take directions you not normally take because you lack the knowledge, you lack the mm -hmm. wisdom. Like you may now say that all hip hop and rap of today is garbage, but like if there was a old guy like 49 years old like you, <laughs> when you were in your early 20s, 19, writing yes. music, yes, you might have taken a different direction that may not have been as good as what you guys did. Absolutely, 100% agree. Yeah, um, but somehow had I had I been in a spot where I could have, what I know now if I could have imparted any of that information onto me when I was 25 years old and we were writing songs or, and, and, and I was trying to figure out how to sing and how to rap and how to m make music and produce all those things, like if I could give any of that to me then, we could have been a thousand times what we were. Like, but we didn't have, we didn't really right. have like any sort of, I don't know, like father figure in our lives, right? Like we had like mm -hmm. our record label who was like, they they wanted, they just wanted a product that was the most commercially viable product. And they, there was no, it was just, they kept telling us this is what we want, but they didn't tell us how to get them. Mm -hmm. There was nobody really giving us that. Did they give you a producer? They gave us producers, but um, I don't know. Or are these yeah. not the right people? They probably weren't the right people. Like we worked with Michael Patterson. We ended up like they they initially sent us out and we worked with Josh Deutsch in New York, yeah. which was just a bad move. Like we were we were Southern California kids. Him and I we grew up here. We were trying to do like, hey, look, there's a skateboard culture that's bubbling right now and it's going to be a big thing. And we got this song about skateboarding, whatever. And then like, oh, but this guy is my friend in New York and we're a big record company. Come work with this guy in New York. We're like. We got to New York. And we're like, what the fuck is yeah. this place? We've never been to New York, you know. And like, they put us up in like, you know, a penthouse suite and on 86th and whatever, in you know, on the Upper East Side, and like it was rad, but like, it wasn't the environment where him and I should have been writing yeah. songs. Yeah. Jeff, you know? what, what would you? It what was. What would you want a different out of that? The one thing that I thought was really interesting was. You know, I we've been playing music for a while, and I had this idea that once you get, you know, sign a deal with a major record label, you know, they're experts and they're, you know, like these are professionals in the field and whatever. And um, they're going to equip you with everything you need, yeah, to be successful, yeah. right? And I, what I was really surprised about was we we didn't want to do a record, an uh, entire record with one producer when we started. We wanted to like feel people out and like let's do a couple songs with this guy, a couple songs with that right. guy, and you know, we'll see what happens because we, we wanted to do a lot of different types of things and whatever so 
we were working with a bunch of different producers and over and over again, I was like, these are guys, you know, some of them had really impressive resumes with, with what they'd worked on and everything. And over and over again, we were like, ah, this doesn't really, it, like, we just don't really click with them. It was really hard to find someone that felt like they really had a good handle on what we were trying to do. Right. And I mean, out of all of the producers that we worked with, I mean, this, this is like a dozen different people. I felt like there was like two guys out of like a dozen. I mean, that's, we're talking like not even 20% success rate right. with being like, no, these guys actually are helping guide us, you know, through the process in a way that like is them helping us do what we do. Right. And yeah. really, it wasn't until Michael Beinhorn really explained it in that way yeah. of saying, like, and he had a reputation for being a difficult person to work with, and we worked with him really well. And I, I asked him one day if he had had a near-death experience <laughs> or, if, uh, <laughs> or if his dad died recently or something or, like, what it was. He, he looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, your reputation is, like, you're bands break up when they do records with you and you know right. guys get fired and whatever and I'm like we're like having a great time <laughs> like this is awesome yeah, well, is there something wrong yeah like did something change <laughs> yeah did something change in your life because the, yeah. the version of you i'm seeing right now is like really cool and uh he said no it's just my my job is they're paying me to to get the best record out of the artist that is possible to get right now and uh he said some people they take everything personal and they do a take and then you know if I tell them afterwards I think you could do better they get all their feelings hurt and they go cry in a corner and it's you right. know a terrible thing but that was his basic approach was it's my job to get the best to make the best record with this band that this band is capable of making today and I was like why doesn't everyone look at it that way yeah. like you're it's like a it's like a it's like a relationship it's like it needs to be treated like a garden you know, like more, you of don't a, more of a coach. Yeah, yeah. You, you water the plants, you know, you just, just so that they grow on their own. You know, you just pull a few weeds and, and water them a little bit, and then what's there grows into right. its best self. You, yeah, and if you, you look guys at mentioned that you, I, I listened to your albums, like, there's a lot of variety in there, but it all kind of, like, comes together really cleanly, but it's like, it's kind of like listening to a party, or like, like yeah. a party soundtrack, right? Like. Was yeah. that, were you guys like trying to experiment with like what was what works, or were you guys like, I just want one of these songs and now one of these songs, or like we what? talked about it before that like we wanted it to be the soundtrack that you could put on at a barbecue, like like a back backyard SoCal barbecue yeah party, you know yeah instead of like you put on you know Deftones are cool and everything but you put right. on a Deftones record and it's like. Okay, we're just listening to Deftones for the next 40 songs minutes. that yeah. are basically the same. Right, you know? right. You're like, that's not the way it is if you go to a club or you're, you know, there's music playing at the party or whatever. It's like, it's this song, it's that song. You're hearing different yeah. stuff all the time. So that kind of variety. I think it works too, like in your shows when you're there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you have like, it's kind of like different movements, you know, like yeah. a. I hope so, because it's all we have to play. <laughs> <laughs> no, we like, we. We were kind of trying to tap into the skateboard culture of right. when, you know, when we were really young. And, like, you know, we thought about, like, when you go hang out with your friends and go skate somewhere, sometimes you would listen to Iron Maiden and sometimes you would listen to LL Cool J. Right. Sometimes you would listen to, you know, like, it was it was never just, like, you know, one genre. That, that, that culture mm -hmm. was so cool and that, like, it embraced 
so many different genres. It embraced, you know, there was like, there were also other cultures, subcultures inside that culture. There was graffiti right. culture, mm -hmm. breakdancing culture, all these other, like, you know, b-boys were like also in that culture, mm -hmm. so. You know, um, growing up in the Midwest and skateboarding, maybe a little <laughs> bit different, you know, like you dream of like mm -hmm. SoCal and like all that, but it, it was for us, and it was kind of interesting because we talked about it a lot on this show with collaboration. But to me, what I loved about skateboarding is that everybody I skated with, we were all trying to help each other. Yeah. Like someone would do a trick That's and be right. like, dude, how'd you do that? Like, yeah. show me how to do that. Or if I did something, I'd show them how to yeah. do it. And then when you saw them do it, what you were doing, you were like all excited for them. And it yeah. was like, you know, it, was, it wasn't competitive. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure there were levels of competitive. You yeah. Know, you wouldn't competed, yeah. but like, I really liked that about it. And it really felt very similar to jujitsu. Like, you, yeah. we're always teaching each other stuff. Yes. But in music, I mean, that's one of the biggest collaborations. Like. No, and also if you listen to that, our first record, that was also part of it. There's like almost every song on there mm -hmm. had a collaborator. Like mm -hmm. we have Oza Motley on there. We have uh, Angelo from Fishbone. Mm -hmm. Eric uh, Avery. Eric Avery from Jane's Addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, on the first album? On the first mm -hmm. album. And that, I mean, now that's like really, like I think because music's a little bit different, like yeah. you see that more now, but I mean, that was 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. But also at the common, same time, right? it's like you said, it, it was as it, like, this was our first like real anything in our lives, you know? Right. And so we were, we were tapping into our, like we were tapping into like Eric Avery's, for example, like we all grew up l loving Jane's Addiction, right? Now all of a sudden we have Atlantic paycheck or uh, checkbook. Right. Right. And we're like, we wanted to sample the baseline from, uh, Coming down, down the summertime, yeah, coming down the mountain, and uh, and then we're like, let's look into it. And they're like, hey, like, w w what if we got Eric Avery, who wrote that baseline, mm -hmm. right, to come in, and they were gonna pay for it. And like, yeah, so they paid, and he came in, and he, whatever. He did he come in and like play? He it? came in and mm -hmm. like, or did played he and like, it? We, he just came in and like we sample the the actual things on the record a sample. Okay. But he like came in and like did some guitar stuff with Jeff. And, That's like, sped up, right? It's super sped up. Yeah, okay. it's faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I tried to play it at the temple that you guys have it, and I was like, yeah. I don't know. It's really, it really hard to play that live, yeah. <laughs> I felt kind of embarrassed. I was yeah. like, wait a second, I should be able to do this, right? But it was it was like, hey, let's get this guy come in, and he taught us stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he came in and, like, worked, you know, with Jeff, and and we learned from him. You know what I mean? Like, right. And then, um, like, those Motley guys came in, and, like, you know. Um, you guys were getting these master classes after master yeah, classes. Exactly. From it was, yeah. And then Fishbone, uh, yeah, Fishbone. Ozo Motley, and Jane's Addiction. Yeah. I mean, geez, already that's like yeah. winning. And also on Trucha too, Jack came in. Uh, Jack came in and helped me write my verse on that song from Psycho right. Realm. And like you know, that was like. I mean, so you guys were getting a lot of help. Yeah, a lot of help. Yeah. But maybe just that, that overall producer type element wasn't always there. We were kind of, it was kind of like we talked about with the Jimmy Page thing. We are talking about Led Zeppelin, and we're like, we were basically producing the record. Yeah. Right. right? We approached it as at least like co-producers, yeah. like from the beginning, like for sure. And we, and, and that, the funny thing is that we, when we, when we were in New York, we did the, we were doing the record there, and then we did a break for Christmas. And right before we went to break, the record label was like, hey, we've got, we've got Heaven is Half Pipe in the can. Let's just mix it. And then we'll take a break, and you guys come back and finish the record. Right. And so we go. So they hire Michael Patterson, who was basically Puffy's engineer. 
he was working at Daddy's house, which is right down the street from where we were. Like, let's get Patterson to mix it. He's mixing, you know, he just finished mixing like J Lo's record and won a Grammy Grammy for mixing a Beck record and like he's the man. Right. right? And he's he's Puffy's guy. So we go down there, we go into the studio, we're sitting in the chair that Biggie Small sat in, you know, when he was smoking blunts and writing those records and Michael's the guy that recorded all these records or whatever. And he mixes heaven there. And then he go he says, you know, he's lives in LA. So like, hey, we're going home for LA. He's like, I'm going home for LA too. I'm like, hey, let's link up back in LA. We have a studio in LA, come by. He ended up kind of basically taking over and then finished producing the whole rest of the record yeah. for oh, us. Wow. So, which was amazing. And he's lifelong friend. He might show up tonight. I invited him. Um, That'd be he's, great. He's an amazing guy. He's great. Um, but he, his, he was, if you're a, if you're a producer in the music industry and you want to get paid, right. you become a mixer. Like he was a mixer. Like mixers, they get paid one song a day and they make bank. Like, so his manager is pushing a mix, mix, mix. And he goes, I want to go hang out with these assholes in LA <laughs> for God knows how long and produce record. And he's like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. He's giving up money. He's giving up you. money. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but that was his passion. And he just got in the mix with whatever. But like, you know, he was also a young guy and, you know, right. whatever. So that like, he also, I think, was looking for that guidance, hmm. you know, that, that wise person to come in, you know what I mean? I think in a lot of cases for bands, that's their manager. Right. Our manager yeah. was not that. Mm -mm. You know, she was, you know, she was like kind of, we, we got her kind of out of necessity or whatever, but she, we, I mean, like literally zero guidance. She just kind I of. Mean, she did get us a record, our first record deal, like offer in like a week. From That's helpful. From a demo tape that we had, <laughs> like a literal cassette tape that we had. It wasn't on a CD, it was a cassette tape? <laughs> we, we had a yeah, cassette. Yeah, but I mean, we did some work before she came in. She, we, the, the, we were no, like, yeah, we, said we were like on a lot of fast stuff. By the, yeah. We basically, <laughs> we, we had a point where like yes. we knew we were about to get a deal, so we had to give so somebody's phone number yeah. right. rather than one of us. Right. And so that, and we like hurried up and hired her. But Got it. Um, yeah, it's, I, she she, no, gets, I mean, if, she if, doesn't get that credit. No, as with, far as I'm just concerned. saying, if it had I love been, her to death, if it hadn't been her, it could have taken two weeks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Because the offer was from her, comp, you know, her yeah, contact. That right. The first offer was. But if we would have had like, I don't know who, but there's some like legit, you know, like Andy Gould, let's say. Oh you yeah. Know, like if we'd had Andy Gould, it would have been a different world for us. You know. No, everyone that heard that demo tape was like, oh. Yeah, okay. Your guys will have a record deal yeah, any day now. Exactly. It was fire. Yeah. It was. So but six I, tracks. I have a really important <laughs> question. John and I had this conversation the other day and I thought we'd just bring it on here, but let's talk about fedoras a little bit. That's right. Um, is it is it a problem ever if you show up to a party and someone else has a fedora on? Can no, just knock them out. <laughs> <laughs> so there's only like one fedora in the room, right? No, I thought you said one fedora in the band. That too. Oh, I yeah. mean, I, you guys went through a, a phase where there, there might there have been more than one fedora. When, when more than one of us wore a fedora. Yeah. Like you and Matt yeah, there's, wore we, fedoras. We've been, a, we've been a two fedora band. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm telling occasionally you. Occasionally three. Yeah. You know, there's been times where yes. it's been three. That really seems like you guys yeah. went no, a little we, over. We, they just think I'm we're a ska band. You. I, I, I'm not trying Was to 
I'm not trying to be, um, I don't know, cocky or whatever. We got away with some fucking shit. We got away with murder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, well, not and, actual. And, well, uh, well, maybe. Maybe. But, <laughs> but like, no, we're saying, like, part. those kinds of rules. Didn't apply to you were guys? Did not apply to uh -huh. us. No. Honestly, I'm not just saying that to be a dick, but like, like we could, I, I could go home and get my foot right now. Him, I could rock on that yeah. stage tonight, and we're gonna fucking pull it off. We've talked about like the camo rule, right? The, yeah, the, the camo rule. Yeah. There's like, a little. Do you know I, the camo rule? I don't know if you know the yeah. camo rule. You're not. He's saying you're not. The rule is you're not allowed to wear two pieces of camo. How many times have you seen <laughs> yeah, me? I mean. How many times have you seen me rock full fucking camo? Yeah. And I pull it well, off. Well, head somehow. to toe camo might be a little bit. Well, actually, I've. I've never actually seen you oh, when you're wearing I'm that much camo. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> um, no. Without looking like a second, like second best joke ever on the show. <laughs> Thanks. Right there. I like you're all in one little run. Without disrespecting the military. A, right? Yeah, and you have to be clever because you have to have multiple versions of camo. So that's yeah. where I think you're wrong. I'm like, I mean, like, I'm not going to wear that. the desert camo and then the I'll, jungle camo. I'll fucking go there. I'm you are scared. going to. Okay. But I think it's interesting because our the, our era, right, like, we were in the new metal era. Like, when yep. we were, when we were, like, battling to get on radio, we mm -hmm. were battling against fucking Papa Roach and yep. Marilyn Manson and Korn and Limp Bizkit. Like, that's who we right. were competing with. Mm -hmm. And so we were not that, you know? So we got away with, like, a lot of stuff. And that was confusing to a lot of people. It was. Because they'd see, like, a group of mostly white guys. With soul patches. W yeah, with, like, <laughs> facial hair and tattoos. And they're like, oh, yeah, they must be, like, Limp Bizkit. And they're like, right. mm, And then nope. we go there and do something else. Nope. Right. Yeah. They're playing a reggae song. What is happening? And then we'd go to a reggae concert, and, like, and we'd play there, and they're like, who the fuck are like? It was actually <laughs> These amazing. Guys are playing punk. We <laughs> found a way to not fit in, no matter where we went. That's right. <laughs> yeah, which is like amazing that we had as much success as we did, as we were constantly shooting ourselves into the feet. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's weird because we thought, like, when we would talk about it, mm -hmm. we would be like, "We're going to be rewarded for being creative." Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we're like. Wow, that's so dumb. Yeah. That's not true. That was the lack of wisdom. That was the lack of wisdom. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. If somebody would come in and said to us, you guys have a hit in Heaven is a Half Pipe, yeah. write 12 more of that exact same song, yep. right. we would have been like Well, I would say the, flip, different level. the flip side of that, though, is that you could go to a reggae concert. You could go to No, for sure. That ska, was, it was amazing for us. Yeah. Wouldn't thing, trade it right? for the like, world. No, yeah. right? We literally played reggae fests. Yeah. metal festivals like punk shows you know with all these bands and that's what I'm saying is we could get away with people going like yeah put them on that bill it'll fit in yeah, and right. then, but it's like we didn't fit in at the metal show equally the same as we didn't fit in at the reggae show <laughs> and we're like wow we just, it just keeps not working out for us does it yeah we played with like cool in the game yeah yeah we played with you know Cooling gang, that was cool. That was in Switzerland. Yeah. We played with, um, you know, we played on, you know. PJ Harvey. PJ Harvey, Iggy uh -huh. Pop. We yeah. played, you know, like. Queens of the Stone Age. We did sh big shows with Queens of the Stone Age yeah. in Germany. And uh, Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock Limp and Bizkit, all that. Limp Kid Rock, those were amazing. And, and then all the reg, I mean, the, we did those. Uh, we played with the Thong Song guys. 
Oh yeah, he opened big, for us. The biggest show we ever did, 100,000 people yeah. for a BBC show with the Cisco the Kong song. Yeah. Yeah, and it like somehow it all made sense. Yeah. So. Little Bow Wow. Totally changing gears. What and music? Have you guys always wanted to do, but maybe just didn't get around to doing it? Hmm. I would say I told. I think I told Jeff the other day. I was gonna say like we were, we were about to embark on a mission and and I might not even put this in the podcast. I don't want to like let it out into the ether, but um, our next record will be a Black Sabbath reggae record. Yeah. Like we were kind of drifting into that world or whatever, but like we didn't, we never got to it. Yeah. That's very different guitars, Jeff. What do you, yeah. what do you think of that? We're gonna but cut off one of his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's cool about Black Sabbath, though, that like people don't think about when they hear the name Black Sabbath, you know, but like they were a good band. Like they had a, oh, a yeah. real rhythm section, like not right. like a technical metal right. rhythm section, but like a rhythm section that grooved. Like they, they had a They're pocket. They're riffy. Yeah. Right? I mean, the bass and drums are fucking ripping Phenomenal. hard. Right. You know? And like the guitar's big and everything, but especially on the earlier records, you know, like it's still a very like real raw sound, you yeah. know? So Going back, it's not overly complex. That's yeah. right. Right? Keep it simple, stupid. But it's in the pocket. Genius. Yeah. Those guys were geniuses. There's no way around it. I mean, like they they invented metal. I've like always period. wanted to. Uh, I've always thought it would be cool if we did like a, a a remix of our of one of our albums, like do a dub, yeah, version. You know, do, do a that. record and then do a dub album oh, version. Cool. Yeah. I always thought it would be cool. That's like, I think most of the time, once we decide we want to like mess around with some idea of music that we haven't really heard much before, we usually end up messing around with it pretty quickly right but um but we've never got around to doing a proper like dub mix of any records yet yeah it's crazy we kind of like we kind of were trying to come up with a formula and like to really dumb it down it was like um like a hip-hop beat mm -hmm. a reggae bass line mm -hmm. punk rock guitars mm -hmm. Um, Keys doing whatever the hell they need to do. Yeah. Right. And then and then, often trying to be in a major key, but lyrically darkness. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, contradicting the each other. The contrast right, right. between like it sounding like a happy right. Beach mm -hmm. Boys song, but with like Marilyn Manson yeah. death lyrics or something, you know? Well, like, I think it was, for me, when I listen to you guys too, like, <laughs> vocally <laughs> nailed it yeah, <laughs> no, that's right, yeah. vocally the, the verses and the choruses are all hooks uh -huh. yeah like I think that's that's kind of a thing that you guys did really well yeah. on I mean like a lot of people just dumb, dumb it down on the verses right so yeah. you can get all the words in there they dumb it down but and then they really try to find that hook in the chorus if they could find it but yeah. a lot of your stuff is like yeah. it's hook hook I hook, mean that was hook. that was a sort of a product of like the you know like the Beatles like as like wrote the book of songwriting 101 yeah melody and, and every every single part of a Beatles song is a hook every part every every single thing is yeah. a hook everything is melodic everything whatever and that also is a is a fundamental in our songwriting trying to do that and then also like there was one time 
I'm sure you remember this. <laughs> we were turning in songs to the record label, <laughs> and our and and Craig Kalman, who was is still to this day is the president of Atlantic Records and was when we got signed, was like, if you didn't have a hook, in like 12 seconds, he would turn it off and throw out what you sent him. Oh wow. Yeah. He's like I, like we would send him a CD and be like, you know, no, there wasn't a hook in 12 seconds. You know, and then some some of them were like, oh, there was a hook in 12 seconds, but then you lost me and whatever, fuck it. Like, so that was like, yeah. I don't know if it was 12 seconds, but it was a very short amount of yeah. time. And so we were like, we went on this thing, we're like, fuck, we gotta like, we gotta like figure this out, and like every bit had to be hooky. So yeah, it's part of their like, you know, they do their test marketing, they exactly. play right. that little bit of a song, like, do you like it or not? Like, yeah. So and radio was king at that time. And when you're on, when you're listening you're listening to the radio, you got that knob right in front of you. Right. Yeah. And if a song comes cool. on, and you don't like it, they're gonna change to the next station. Yep. So the radio stations were that's what they were looking for. Yeah. They were looking for everyone to write Beatles songs. There's a lot of studies now that prove that that's a really bad way to do market testing. It's right. it's the Couldn't same it's more. the same thing with like the Pepsi taste test when they did New Coke, you know, yeah. that um, like Pepsi wins the taste test every time compared to Coke because it's a little bit sweeter. And so when you, but the taste test is you just have a sip, right? So if you have a sip, the sweeter thing always wins. Right. Oh, but if you drink the whole drink, you don't, it's too yeah. sweet. You don't yeah, want it anymore. Right. Pepsi, yeah. So in a, in a little taste, in a sip taste test, yeah. Pepsi will beat Coke every time. But like for someone to actually drink the whole drink, uh, the, the Pepsi yeah. is a little too much. And so that's why new Coke failed miserably. I found with me and with music is some of my favorite artists were people I didn't like when I first heard them. Yeah. yeah. Like I had to listen to it over and over again. And then I started like, Oh, I liked it. And then mm -hmm. I got really, really yeah. deep into them. You had to live with it. Right. Yeah. You had to drink the whole drink. You right. Drink the whole Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. weird it's how like that you works. You don't want change. Yeah. And so like by testing that way, it was like, what else could we create that song? Like yeah. exactly like everything else. Yep. Right. Yep. I've always really, that's one of the things that I really enjoy about, that you said about uh, the band, is the um, the music really trying to make you feel good and the words being that, like, first of all, you can get away with saying some crazy shit, like, when it sounds, like, if you say it sweetly, you know? Right, right, right. So singing yeah. it, like, pretty when it's all fucked up is great, but because then you're sneaking it past everybody. Yeah. Their defenses are down. And then you actually think about the words later, and like, Wait a minute. <laughs> That's, That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> like, but like, so making you feel good, but then you know, kind of putting something in there to make you think about it a little bit is. Right. Um, I don't know. I've always enjoyed that about it. Yeah. Was there an example in one of your songs where uh, you told me a story a little bit back where someone uh, recorded something you didn't use it, then later you used it in a different context. Mm. The recording of it. Probably yeah, the we yellow did that all the time. Oh yeah, yellow man. Yeah, That's yeah, right, yeah, I think that was the example. Yellow yeah. Man. Well, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we tried working with Yellow Man on the first record, but the songs that we did with him didn't end up on the record. And we, so when we started getting ready to do the second record, we were like, "Dude, I can't believe like we still have these tracks with Yellow Man that like we've never done anything with." So we threw all the music away <laughs> since we couldn't use it anyways and um, from the first record and wrote a whole new track around. Just use the same key. 
just the parts so, that he did we wrote the whole yeah, song. Yeah, so around. we wrote it around his his vocal. And then it's funny cuz one of those songs ended up on our second record. Yeah. And then it was funny cuz the 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 uh, we actually we actually brought him in to be on on our first record the song called Undercover Freak. <laughs> and it's kind of a, and it was like when we were doing the song it was already kind of weird like right. cuz we had two singers, right? So it was like weird doing a song about a girl with like two guys. Like, are we talking about the same girl? We're we talking right. about different girls, right. you know? Yeah. So we already had all these challenges, and then we tried to bring in Yellow Man, and it was like, and Yellow Man's like much older than us at that time, right? Right. Yeah. So it was like, whoa, that's just fucking creepy. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was like, it got really creepy. It got weird. And so, <laughs> so we're like, okay, that, and then we tried another one, and then that that second one we we did on the second record, and then our third record we went back again we're like let's go back and look at that thing that he did and then again we did a, we wrote another song because we still had the yellow right. man tapes and these are literally right. on like on physical tape back yeah. in the day like right. he, he recorded it in jamaica and yeah. sent it to us and then we read it rewrote another song which was eternity and it were and we made it work on that one too which is like something like we have two songs with yellow man in our career which is like well, that we, dude's a legend we, we like, probably have three or four because there's a good chance that what we sent him that's right he released on his own in oh, Jamaica, Jamaica. Yeah. yeah that we just never made it here yeah, so i have sure. a feeling cuz you know yeah that's pretty common in Jamaica yeah right i mean yeah if i was him i would have done it yeah whatever he did on those tracks for sure those got released in Jamaica <laughs> <laughs> if somebody has that on vinyl love to hear let it let us know please i would yeah. love to hear it yeah it sucked cuz those those are like one of those was my favorite song for the record too. That first Ghost Town. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also, also, yeah. The first song we did with him was we were tr we were trying to do a version of Ghost Town by the Specials, and uh, and then we we submitted it to the Specials to see if they would approve it because it's like almost like a sample. Right. And he rejected it. Oh no. Based on the fact that they were about to release another record that had like an anniversary version. Or whatever he didn't. Timing he, was his wrong. Timing was wrong. He didn't want us to do it. So then we, when we did it again, like I said, we we redid it, and then obviously the the ghost town, all that stuff, part was, was just thrown out. And can we say, with some wisdom, that he made the wrong decision? Because if you're making a record and you're going to re-release that song, the best thing you could do is have other people, right? You know, yeah. ride the wave of that coming yeah. out. Right, like, right, like right. if that had been out, fed off each other. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. and the specials were a huge influence on our music. I mean, they were like the, you know, that, you know, that the British ska era, whatever, was like key into the evolution of like Sublime, which was, you know, a huge influence for us. So, and just yeah. for fedoras too. Yeah, exactly. You know, how many? <laughs> as many as it takes. The specials, <laughs> the specials, straight up rock like five dudes yeah. with fedoras in the band at one time. I think the whole horn section was wearing. Yeah, they yeah, probably like, all wore fedoras yeah. and pulled nice. it off. It's all coming yeah, circle. See? Yeah. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Those rules don't apply to us. <laughs> Fuck those rules. Rules don't <laughs> apply to us. Period. <laughs> I mean, try. Yeah. <laughs> try. <laughs>